Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah. Happy it's Friday. Back from your travels this week, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, out to your neck of the woods. That's right. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, we had our uh, CompTIA Communities and Councils Forum event here mm-hmm. in Chicago, and you came out, and our other team member, Astrid, was able to come up for it. Uh, yes, so we right. actually all got together for the first time. I feel like um, we kind of mentioned this in our presentation, which we're going to dive into, but it, it felt to me like all through last year, events were happening again, and people were getting out there, and it felt like there was this return to normal. But I feel like even now, you know, we do this event, and people are coming out, and it still feels like we're recovering, I guess, in some ways, or re- returning to something that is going to be a new equilibrium. I, it doesn't feel, you know, quite like it used to, right? I, I think people are still getting used to it. Some people are maybe getting out there for the first time. So, it, yeah. it, I mean, it, it it's surprising in some ways and maybe not surprising in others, just how we continue to see the ripple effects, you know, from that couple of years of pandemic. No, I totally agree. It's still, and I've been to a number of events in the last year or so, year and a half, but still every time it still seems like there are still a percentage of people that are kind of just getting out and crawling out of the woodwork for the first time. And um, it is a little bit, I don't know how to really describe the vibe, but it's definitely a little bit different. Not the same as, as before. People seem very happy to be out. I, I, I think, but it's, 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 it's a weird vibe. Um, and, and I think it's a mostly good vibe that people are very psyched to be out and traveling again and able to do these kind of conferences, but you're right. It has been a while since we've been able to do this and it still does seem like it's fresh. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe the weirdness of that vibe, because I agree with you, I feel it too. And I I think that gets to something that we've been saying for, you know, kind of years here that businesses could find that they didn't need to travel, you know, to make a sale or whatever. But I I think that the getting together has an ROI that doesn't quite show up on the budget sheet, right? And And I think that that is why we, we see people, you know, still coming out and excited to come out. I would say that this event, you know, maybe more than ChannelCon is primarily a networking event, right? I mean, there's some content there we presented. I would say it was actually more research driven than we've had it in the past. I agree. Um, But it's primarily about networking, right? It's primarily just for people to get together, I think, and have, you know, a good time and make some connections. And then there's a few things, you know, that happen at the event. So, I mean, before we get into our presentation, a couple of the CompTIA announcements or CompTIA, you know, content at the event where we announced the cybersecurity trust mark, kind of the return of the cybersecurity trust mark, which is for managed service providers and other firms to earn a mark of showing that they understand what they're doing with cybersecurity, which I think is becoming increasingly important for end users. It is. You'll see in our our data even um, that it's uh, one of the, you know, the top disciplines that that MSPs are gravitating for because their customers are demanding it. And we definitely see that in the And so to ignore it is at their peril, really. Yeah. Yeah. So we we announced that we had a spotlight awards for some of the members and companies that are the most engaged with our communities and councils. Um, And you were there for a little bit more than I was. Was there anything else that you picked up on that I missed out on? 
No, people just really rolled up their sleeves and broke out into their community meetings. So, you know, the MSP people went, you know, into their meetings and the security people went into their meetings and um, they're trying to kind of get an agenda going for the rest of the year, pick out a project they might work on. And um, like you said, do a lot of networking with one another. So I think it was really kind of a, a team building exercise for this level of the CompTIA membership that gets pretty involved in our working groups, our communities, our councils, um, and they do see each other and talk to and do virtual meetings on a regular basis. And so this is their chance to kind of all sit in one room. And, you know, they're definitely friends. It's nice to see, you know, these people are known each other for a long time and they do get together. And um, hopefully with some prompting from some of our research and some of the things we talked about, they've got some good ideas going for the types of things they want to work on this year. Yeah. Yeah. That was the goal. Uh, like yeah. I said, we, we tried to make this be a little bit more research driven. Um, so you and I presented at the beginning of the whole event, kind of to kick the thing yeah. off. And we presented a technology roadmap, which we're going to get into. You also gave a keynote, which you can probably touch on as we're going through this roadmap a little bit. Um, the idea was that we identified four major areas that we are focused on in research this year. And there's pretty good alignment to the committees that you mentioned and the different sessions yeah. that were happening and the groups that are trying to think about setting their agenda for the year. Uh, and, and so we presented these four areas as a way of kicking off the event and hopefully giving them some food for thought as they went into their, their different sessions. So uh, from the top, you know, the, the four areas were channel, cybersecurity, workforce, and digital transformation. So I think for Volley today, we were just going to kind of rip through those real quickly yeah. and give a quick summary of the presentation that you and I did. So why don't we start off with the channel? Um, sure. that, was, that was yours. That's how you kick things off. Yeah, I did. Um, so, you know, the channel, obviously, that's a big bucket, but we wanted to focus on a lot of the change that's going on in the channel. Um, there are plenty of new players um, that are coming into the channel, both from at the channel level, solution providers and MSPs and different types of players that way, but also different vendors. There's a huge explosion of number of vendors. So channel partners now have a ton of choice about vendors they want to work with. The customers are changing as well. So there's, there's an enormous amount of uh, new blood, I would say, in, in the channel in terms of who to work with, who to compete against, um, and who to sell to. Um, and that has made it very interesting. And, and channel companies over the last few years, and one of the things that we've been tracking is how they're making alterations to their business models and, you know, changing from moving from being a traditional reseller, perhaps somebody who's still reselling a lot of hardware and moving into the MSP space, moving into the MSP space beyond infrastructure and doing things at the MSP level that involve cloud applications and and um, and business applications. So a little bit further up the stack, which involves a different type of skill set and a different type of management capability. Um, but we're seeing a lot of movement in our data. There are, you know, most companies are either thinking about it, have done it, or are in the midst of some kind of business model change of all sizes within the channel. So it's definitely a thing that's happening and they're doing it for a variety of reasons. You know, they're trying to improve their revenue revenue and profit. That's an obvious one. They're thinking, you know, hardware uh, profit margins are very slim right now and commoditization has taken hold. So why don't they move into something, that, an area that's more lucrative um, and they wanna stay competitive. Uh, and, and that's important too. Like I said, there are so many other players in the market today um, that you're not just competing against somebody who looks just like you anymore. 
and it's someone that might have a more innovative way of doing business and you've got to keep on your toes. Um, they might be specializing. So for instance, getting into a vertical industry as a specialization, or like we just mentioned, really doubling down on a particular tech discipline like cybersecurity and making that an area where um, they are going to be able to hang their hat for customers who are interested in that. So all of that is going on in the channel. Um, and, it, and it's very interesting. And I like to see the, the kind of the, the enthusiasm by some companies to make those kinds of changes because they're not easy. Our, you know, the, the, a lot of these companies are very small. Nobody is able to just go, a 10 person company can't just say, hey, we're gonna move from reseller and become an MSP tomorrow. It's a, it's a process um, because they have to continue to be able to pay their bills in the meantime and, and run their business. Uh, the traditional business that they did. So, you know, there's a lot of work involved. And these are the kinds of things that these communities can talk about. It's like, all right, you make a decision, you want to make a change, how are you going to do it? And then you've got all kinds of tips and, and uh, best practices that they can share with one another. So, yeah, the, you know, you made a point during the presentation that the, the way that we used to describe the channel was this linear model of yes. product distribution and installation. It was very product centric. It was very linear from vendors to distributors to resellers or partners. And that model is still there. Uh, it's still a, a critical function within the IT industry uh, because a lot of end users might be starting to go direct, but a lot still, you know, need some support locally. You know, they just can't do it all themselves. So I think a lot of that linear model still makes sense. And there's been this explosion of other business models. And as we're talking now, I'm thinking that sometimes I think we want to use the term channel to continue to mean the entire universe of technology enablement that's happening out there. And that might not be fully accurate. I think there's that linear model Mm -hmm. And then there are ways that that linear model can evolve and change and some adjacent business models that you could get into, like you could shift from reselling into managed service. But then to shift from like maybe that linear model or the next layer out into something like advising on data and doing data analytics that are tied to business objectives, mm -hmm. I think that starts to get to be very different, right? And, and you still might have a firm that wants to make that shift and really do that huge pivot, but that might not be the path for the majority of people that have been in that linear model. You know, most of them might stay there and be evolving their model and picking up some of these sort of near adjacent types of practices. But uh, it, it might not be accurate to kind of think that it's just the same kind of connection point from wherever you are to any kind of model that's out there. Some of them are much, much bigger jumps than others. No, and a lot of those companies that are, those are newer companies um, that are getting into areas, like you said, becoming an advisor or a consultant around a data practice, something like that. That is, you're right, it is not a, that is not a direct kind of move for your typical reseller or solution provider, or they'd have to put quite a bit of effort in and resources to get trained up on how to run that kind of business. But they are connected and we are seeing more pockets of partnering. So more traditional channel companies, as we've described, who might be in that linear um, area, uh, may be partnering with some of those specialists on the outside. That helps them fill skills gaps. We'll talk about workforce in a little bit. Um, so there are ways that they're all working with each other. So when I was talking about the linear move, the linear channel, 
um, kind of blowing up a bit. It just means that there are tributaries now all over the place that are sticking out from that straight line. And you may stay in that straight line. The majority of companies may stay, they may move from, you know, one type of channel company to another that's still in that linear line, linear line, but, but, um, but they may be doing more business or at least somehow intersecting with those tributaries, as I said, that are on the, that are doing, you know, more, more specialized things around in and around the business, but it's definitely, um, a lot more variety of types. You know, there are pure referral companies out there now that just sit around and decide for customers who the best vendors are that they should work with and they make referrals or they influence customers. Uh, and, you know, they all fit into, you know, this big ecosystem, um, to use that word yeah. uh, that's, that's out there, but, um, it's an interesting time because there are a lot more places for you to plug in, but you're right. I think like the, you know, the, the large chunk majority of the channel is going to stay in their lane, but they may move into a, a, a different part of that lane, a little bit further up the chain, but stay going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Just to stick with channel for one more minute, um, this is what your keynote was on the next day. So we presented on the Tuesday, kicked off, right. and then you had the opening keynote on Wednesday, which was um, giving a little bit more of a preview into your state of the channel research. And we're going to have ep episodes dedicated to that research coming up. Um, but maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the, the preview that you gave at CCF this week. Sure. Yeah, uh, I was. It was good. Um, I was able to give the, them a pretty good overview of the the new data. It's brand new, um, in and kind of like worked our way down from the health of the channel today based on our respondents. So you know where they think the areas, um, the things that they need to work on, and the things that need to happen in the industry that will keep the channel relatively healthy in the year ahead, and likewise what could go wrong. Um, so we talked a lot about um, it seemed like the big theme around what's going to keep us healthy is a real um, emphasis on the customer. So providing really good customer experience, getting to getting good at selling to non-traditional types of customers, line of business customers. And that all kind of ties in together. Um, those are important things. Specialization is is very high in the data this year. So. Um, I talk about specialization a lot as something as a, as a prescriptive. I've done this for years, but this is the first time that it's actually been on the minds even higher up of the actual channel company. So they're realizing that, you know, for them to stick out in the crowd, it's probably a good idea to move out of maybe the generalist category and, you know, do something around cybersecurity or do something in a vertical industry. So that was pretty high up there. Then the things that are concerning the channel are some of those macroeconomic things that none of us can really control right now. Like where's the economy going to go? Where's inflation going to go? Um, and so that's on the top of the mind of, of uh, channel companies. Again, they don't have a lot of control over that. So they have to just sort of wait and see. Um, but other things, they're concerned about new types of competition. Um, and the, a lot of the companies said that the, the, they're concerned about the challenges of, of running a small business today. And I, I think that's interesting. I think there are a lot of challenges. The majority of our channel companies are small. You know, they're, they're a million in revenue and there are 10 employees or fewer. And so all this change that I was talking about, that's really hard for companies like that. And they can be greatly impacted by some of this macroeconomic stuff, you know, either downstream because of their suppliers are affected or just simply because they don't have the cash flow or, um, you know, credit in place for them to be able to weather a storm. And they just came out of a pandemic. So they're probably like, OK, you know, I can't go through this again. 
Um, so those are, those are sort of the big themes. And then, you know, I broke it into um, talking about um, vendor relationships, which seem to be on the rise this year, which is great. Talked a little bit about some um, financial nuts and bolts, you know, profit margins and revenue growth. Um, and then we discussed, you know, competition. Uh, a lot of uh, companies today are saying their number one competition is online marketplaces. Um, and we've done an episode of Ollie on what those are and there's, you know, the different flavors of them. Um, and, you know, what we caution at CompTIA is you don't necessarily have to see a marketplace as a competitor. You can work within a marketplace. You can sell your wares on a marketplace. So there's there is a, a way to partner with some of these um, some of these companies um, that may help you get around the fact that they're, you know, they're an easier sell to a customer as a direct model. Um, so we talked a little bit about that and, um, yeah, that was, you know, it was pretty much an overview and, uh, and I think it was well received. So I was, I was pretty psyched. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We'll, we'll look forward to diving into that even more, you know, in the next yeah. month or so. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned the, the need to connect with customers a lot more. You mentioned the need to specialize and you mentioned specifically cybersecurity, which yeah. was the next big bucket that we dove into. And when I was teeing up the cybersecurity bucket in our session, I mentioned that, we often say that you can never talk too much about cybersecurity, and that kind of lines up with something else that we say, which is you can never have perfect cybersecurity if you're an end user, if you're trying to implement cybersecurity. And I think those two things kind of feed on each other. I think because you can never get perfection, it's very easy to start talking about the, the fine details of how you could improve your cybersecurity or what you should be thinking about or all the different aspects of cybersecurity. And the reality is that there may be no limit to how much you can talk about cybersecurity, but there is a limit to the budget and the resources that companies are willing to invest. Um, and I think some of the paralysis that we've seen in the past couple of years that we've studied cybersecurity is down to companies not really understanding where to place their bets or, or how they can place the bets. And I think coming out of last year, we really wanted to focus on a risk analysis approach um, because cybersecurity is such a different thing. You don't, you don't think of it as a revenue producing activity, but it's also not quite right to think of it as purely insurance around a single event. This is an ongoing activity that you somehow have to justify. And I think risk analysis is the way that a lot of companies are starting to lean. Uh, so that's definitely something that we're going to be focused on within the research. I believe that it is a major focus for the ISO uh, and the, the discussions that are happening there. So I think that gave the, the community a lot to think about and, and hopefully a framework for how to start talking about cybersecurity and the best ways to sell it and consult around it and eventually implement it. Yeah, the, the idea of doing risk analysis is I think just a great opportunity for channel companies because there are so many customers out there on the smaller size, for instance, that do not have an IT department and um, they still need to focus on cybersecurity, but they may have no idea at all, you know, what their particular vulnerability areas are. And um, that's just a great opportunity for a channel firm that is specializing in this area to go in and, and provide that sort of risk assessment for a company, which, you know, just from a pure money perspective is pretty lucrative. You know, you can charge pretty well for those kinds of assessments and then, you know, do whatever execution and implementation needs to take place um, 
to sell them the products that are needed, you know, implement the products, whatever it happens to be. Um, so there's a lot of add-on business that goes on there as well. Um, so I think that's definitely the area that uh, that everybody seems most interested in um, focusing on. You know, yeah, and- it's such a high priority for a lot of customers and end users. Yeah. Um, but the way that you approach it is so different, you know, product, like we've mentioned before, and we'll probably continue to mention is sort of at the end of the chain. Now it used to be the primary thing. It's like, what firewall are we putting in? What antivirus are we buying and installing? And those things are still happening, but now you have to think about policy process and, and people and be thinking about which skills are we going to have to manage this as an ongoing basis. Uh, and, and that question about skills, I think leads into our next big topic, which is workforce in general. You know, where are we getting skills from? How are you recruiting and retaining talent? Um, so that was one that you teed up. Yeah, there's so much going on in the workforce space, right? I think, I mean, if, if, if you had to point to one thing, maybe other than financial strain and all of our mental health that happened during the pandemic, um, at least in the business world, it would be, wow, the kind of shift in the worker employer relationship, how we run our businesses with respect to our human resources. And boy, did that change. And I think just like we talked about at the beginning of this, how going to conferences still seems like it's a new vibe. I think the work environment um, from a people perspective uh, still seems like a little bit of a different vibe. And that, you know, we can talk about remote work, obviously, and, and, and where we're at with that. And our company's going to stay in a hybrid mode, let employees do, you know, their choice of where they want to work or start calling them back into the office. And I think we've seen a little bit of all of that. Um, But I I definitely think that there is um, a a permanent change in both the employee and how they view um, work and the the way that they conduct work and the things that they prioritize with work. And then also the employer has to think a little bit differently about the kind of culture that they provide, how they deal with employees. And so, you know, that's sort of at a high level, um, the changes that have gone on. And then we have the ongoing issue with skills gaps and, and, and talent need. And, um, that's another one that's really hard to put a finger on when the economy is kind of wacky, which it is right now. So we still have all these openings in tech in a lot of companies and they need workers in some of the higher skilled areas. Uh, and yet we read every single day about tech layoffs that are going on. And I know, Seth, you can talk about that ad nauseum, as I think I said on stage. Um, you know, and so it's it's a very interesting time. So, you know, got openings, companies need data specialists, they need cybersecurity specialists, they need all kinds of people. Um, and yet some of the larger tech companies who had an, you know, an abundance of workers um, are now faced with, we don't need all these people and they're laying them off. And we're, it's a very, very weird time for the work environment um, in our industry. Yeah, I, I think that this area um, reflects more than any of the other areas that those ripple effects that we were talking about at the beginning that you know, we're still seeing these ripple effects. And I think there were so many things like the one that you pointed out that people wanted to say, this has changed forever. And I, I don't think that all of them have changed forever. I think some have, some have maybe changed slightly, some have changed larger, uh, a little bit more, but, you know, I, I, we're still seeing companies, you know, recently that are saying, okay, we want everyone to come back into the office, right? And 
I think there's always this game of chicken, right? That happens between companies and employees, right? Where employees say, here's what we want. And companies are like, okay, that's good. Maybe we'll give you a little bit of that. But ultimately at the end of the day, we're going to give you a paycheck. Um, if you think you can do better somewhere else, you know, you're, you're free to go, but let's, let's call each other's bluff here a little bit. Right. And I'm very interested to see how it all settles out. I'm interested to see how companies handle their kind of reward structure, because there's a difference between allowing someone to be employed and letting them be remote and letting them maybe have some of the flexibility they want. And then actually, you know, promoting somebody for the output that they are producing. Right. Um, so I, I could see companies playing with that at the same time that they're playing with employee experience. You continue to have diversity initiatives, DEI initiatives woven into all of this. And so it's a very dynamic space. There's still a huge appetite for technology specialists. Um, and it's something that we are going to be looking at with several studies uh, in research over, over the year and continuing on into the years to come. You know, workforce in general uh, has a lot of different angles to it. And we like to explore all of those angles, especially with the direction that the company is heading. So yeah, it'll continue to be very dynamic. Uh, and, and our members are you know, right at the, the um, point of, of having to deal with a lot of that and try to attract people to what may be, you know, a smaller firm instead of a larger technology firm. So there's a lot of, lot of issues to deal with there. There's a lot of issues. Um, and uh, this is, this of all the topics is probably one that will be top of mind for us in the year ahead. So look for lots of research um, yeah. and, uh, and our regular jobs report. Um, that, uh, every month, every, every month, month we put that one out. So um, our producer Andrea is the co-host of that one. So uh, if, if you want to see more Andrea, check out that tech jobs report video. Absolutely. The so our last, yeah, the last one that we got into, I think is a little different than the other three. We mentioned that on yeah. stage, digital transformation. And I think it's the main reason it's different is because it's so hard to wrap your arms around. We've seen this term pop up a few years ago, you know, for the first time, and there was a lot of debate over it, like what even is it? And is it anything different than what we've been doing? I, I think that, you know, the, the two sides of that debate kind of caused the topic to cool for a while, but especially now coming out of the pandemic with companies feeling like they can start planning for the future again, I think within the research that we've been conducting last year, we saw a resurgence in this term. And so I think we started trying to dive into it. And ultimately where we've landed is that this is a real thing. This is something a little bit different than what we were doing before. The reason that we're seeing this resurgence is because you've got these drivers of doing strategic IT instead of tactical IT mm -hmm. and also handling technology products in a different way than you did before, because you're not just trying to build a technology foundation anymore. You're trying to build on top of that. And so you see more about emerging technology, mm -hmm. but those emerging technologies are more enabling. Like we've mentioned several times on here, it's not so much a product that you just install as is. Right. So I think a lot of different things go into digital transformation. I think that it is a major thread that's running through a lot of what we do. I'm gonna do a study on digital transformation, but within that study, I'm going to try to unpack what's happening in infrastructure, what's happening in software, and try to get down to the individual components, because I think that talking about it at a high level is still a very difficult thing. I think you quickly have to get down to that component level. Yeah, you have to, I think each business, I think I said this on stage, is that 
the meaning of digital transformation is going to be different for almost every company that, that's out there. It really will be specific to whatever their particular needs are or whatever their focus is. And then they can apply some of the technologies that we've talked about that are mostly enabling and learn how to build on top of that to whatever outcome that they're looking for. So it's one of these very difficult terms to talk about or concepts in a uniform way, because there's really no uniform way to define it. Um, but I did see a lot of heads shaking up and down when we were talking about it, because everybody was edge of their seat. They seemed very interested in this topic and what it means to me. So I think it's very much something that um, companies need to figure out how to individualize as they're trying to figure out what they're what they want to do in the realm of digital transformation. And that opens up all kinds of, you know, possible paths to take with it, you know, one, one, one area of digital transformation for, a, you know, a small MSP that's thinking about selling it as a service would be very different from, you know, a larger end user company and the IT pros that are working on some specific project uh, for their organiza organization and the types of tools they use and, and the, the solution they put together might look very different. So it, it's a very interesting, but very difficult to discuss space, I think. Yeah, I'll be I'll be very interested to see how our community chooses to approach that, you know, throughout yeah. the year, because I don't think that a channel firm is really going to have a lot of success coming into an end customer and saying, I'm going to help you with your digital transformation. I you know, agree. they're going to have to spend an entire day getting on the same page about what they mean with that term. Yeah. I think it's important for a channel firm to understand the different aspects that are uh, of digital transformation that are happening today, but then they're going to want to focus specifically on that. And they're going to want to come in and say like, we'd like to help you build uh, more of a cloud-based infrastructure, or we'd like to help you build more cybersecurity aware operations, right? I think they're going to have to get specific pretty quickly. So I think it's um, like a foundational knowledge piece, but not really a piece that you can focus on and unpack. I, just the way it's going to be woven through our research, I imagine that it's just going to be woven into a lot of the community discussions. Yep. So we will see. We'll see how yeah. that goes. But uh, that's a quick overview of the way that we kicked off the event. And I think the way that we are thinking about the year here, you know, we've got studies focused in all of these areas. And obviously, those studies are going to overlap. You know, you've got your channel study, but it's talking a little bit about cybersecurity. I've got digital transformation, and I'll probably be talking a little bit about the skills and the workforce needs that go into that. So uh, it should be an exciting year. Um, and uh, it was a great way to kind of kick off the event. I thought so too. Yeah. Well-received um, and a lot of content. And uh, you know what? It helps me figure out what I'm doing for the rest yeah. of the year. <laughs> Always a good thing. Um, yeah. So uh, like we said, workforce is a major focus area for us uh, this year. And, and as part of that, we have our career spotlight that we're wrapping every episode with. This week on Career Spotlight, we have Allison, who used to be a librarian and has become a trainer at a major technology vendor. So let's hear a little bit of Allison's story. It completely shook, you know, my confidence in what I thought I knew how to do, uh, you know, what I thought, you know, the rest of my life, my career, my profession might end up being. I had worked in a library for over a decade and, you know, I wasn't even making $35,000 a year. It's very tricky to live on that much money. And, you know, having transitioned into the field that I'm in now, I am nowhere near at the top of my earning potential because there's more out there. 
absolutely in this trajectory. Well, that's a great story. I think it really um, zeroes in on one of the things we focus on with respect to getting into an IT career, and especially for women, is there is this confidence gap that they have, this belief before they even explore the 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 career or the or the area itself that it's over it's it's above their skill level it's something they they don't know um they'll never succeed in they aren't good enough in math and science whatever it happens to be and it holds them back from even trying and clearly um Allison here um gave it a try and she was doubtful and uh, she was pleasantly surprised. So, you know, it, this is one of the messages we want to get out there is like, don't let that perception in your brain mess with you so that you don't try um, a career in technology because it is a varied uh, field. You can yeah. do a lot of different things in technology. They're not all crunching numbers. Yeah. And, and I think that it is so important to get these stories out there of people yeah. that, you know, maybe didn't have a deep background in it or, or didn't even view it as a hobby because I think so many of us know, you know, people that are super into the technology and they understand how your computer works. They understand what's going on in the background. And you talk to these people and you're thinking, I, I can't do that. And maybe you can't, but you don't need to, right? right? Like you said, there are so many other avenues that someone could go into and being able to put these types of stories out there I think helps people understand I can do this. I can find a path for me um, that would be financially stable and interesting uh, and and not necessarily require deep, deep technical expertise. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great story and a good example. So um, for all of you out there who might be having doubts, um, look at Allison's story. It's a good yeah. one. Give yeah. it a try. All right. Well, that's our episode for this week. Uh, it was good to see you this week, Carolyn. Yes, um, it was. And uh, I will look forward to our next Volley episode. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrea McMillan. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.